My name's Sarah Frick, and you're listening to Are You For Real? A podcast all about being real. Like, really real, not just cute Instagram real. Like, real. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to Are You For Real? with me, Sarah Frick. Today, I am interviewing a very lovely, lovely, intelligent woman, Dr. Coley, who is someone I met on a panel with The Good Fest. She is directly related, the new director of equity of Whole30, and also owner of Holy Brands, which she is gonna tell us all about. So I'm really, really excited about today. Um, it's, it's a really heartfelt message that she shares, and she's just a lovely person. All right, I'm gonna jump in because I feel like people do a much more expressive and beautiful job of telling about themselves. So will you tell us about yourself, um, about what you're doing now? Actually, let's just start like this. Will you tell, tell us a little a little baseline about yourself. A little baseline? <laughs> just a baseline. Yeah. Um, oh, wow, a baseline. I think my baseline is that I believe that we all have the right and responsibility to be creatively contributing to an equitable future, which is like my very, very big baseline. Um, so I do most of my work uh, trying to get towards that goal. Uh, and I spend most of my time helping folks figure out how they can more like deeply or significantly creatively contribute to their own lives. Yes, I see that. And I love that. And I've, I follow you on Instagram and you're so good about posting in your blog. And then I was checking out, it, you, you pronounce it Holly. Is that correct? Uh, it's Holly, Holly Brands. Brands. Yeah. Holly. Holy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Holly. It's Brands. okay. Everybody says Holly first. Okay. No. Cause is your wife's name Holly? <laughs> she is. My wife's name is Holly. Okay. I was like, Oh, she named it after her wife. <laughs> so Holly Brands is, um, a merging of our names partly, uh, because I was being like very casual about it when we, so we had our separate businesses, um, and we were, I was CEO in her company and then we were just like business partners and then we were merging the businesses. And so we created this larger brand and I was like, Oh, it's going to be holy. But then I was doing, of course, as always, uh, falling down a black hole of research. And I was like, but no, like the holy itself, like the holiday, the Indian holiday is like actually, um, really a celebration of like good over evil and like, um, joy and love and all of these things. And so, right. okay, this feels, this feels right for us. Yes. I love it. I love it. How long have you guys had that business together? Um, it, well, technically we joined, uh, companies like formally, as of May, 2018, like all of the companies were like officially umbrellaed together and et cetera, but we've been working together, um, in our separate companies for about three years now Two, I was working for her. So like two years fully as partners and I was working for her for a year before that. And is that how you guys met working together? No, you know, we actually, uh, met, um, we actually met like in real life, like our first meeting, um, was because we were both of course like friends with my ex, but we were following each other online before that. Uh, <laughs> so Holly and I were like friends. Uh, I guess she was technically like acquaintances with, uh, my ex and we were all like kind of in the same circle of folks, but not really because Holly 
like she lives her life now is always like in her own world. Yeah. Um, but we followed each other and it would be like, wow, like I really care about your work. Or like, I love when you share about these things and it makes sense that we would eventually like begin working together. It started like not even doing the work we're doing now. Like I have an obsession with stationary and I'm not really sure how she knew that other than the fact that I was in an English PhD program. And so she started, um, asking me about like stationary requests. And then there was this moment where she was trying to redo her, um, work studio, but she also slept in that studio. So it was like, I, it started off as kind of like vintage furniture recommendations mm-hmm. and then I was just hired to help her, uh, like literally with the, the, decoration the interior design of that project yeah that's cool yeah like part of the way um through that project I saw her wall and it just had like all these crazy ideas like big giant dreams as always on them and Mm. um, I was like I think you need a COO (laughs) yeah just like everywhere you're like I think I'm gonna be part of these big giant dreams (laughs) I didn't know I really wasn't even selling myself in that moment but that, well, that's how it turned out, you know? Yes. Well, that's fair. That's awesome. That's a good, that's a good meeting story. Um, did, so you, you have your doctorate and where did, did you go to school at NC State? Have we talked about this? I'm going back to Wake for a master's in divinity this fall. Okay. Um, which is interesting because I'm also currently the director of equity and inclusion at Whole30. So I know I want to talk about that. But I, I, I did my doctorate at Rutgers in New Brunswick. Oh, awesome. Um, yeah, so I was actually living in the Philadelphia and New Jersey area for about like this four years before I moved to Oakland. Um, and then that was just like a, that was a whirlwind. Um, yeah. That's also yeah. where I finished my dissertation. So I think it was useful for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then you moved back down south. Yeah, and then I'm back home now. And I think it's like, I mean, I'm glad that I left. I'm glad that I had all of the experiences that um, I was able to have in kind of like a stint up the East Coast, like Virginia, Philly, New Jersey, um, a little bit of time in New York, and then Philadelphia. I mean, and then Oakland, excuse me. But there was something, there's been like a calling, I feel like, that I felt to come back to North Carolina for a while. Mm -hmm. But our... um, when we really made the decision in 2017 was like, one, we didn't want to be in the Bay anymore. And that had nothing to do with like the friends or family that we'd met in the Bay, but right. more to do with like, we wanted a bigger yard and we wanted three bedrooms and we wanted like right, right. things then that was just like, yes, I recognize that we can afford to live like this, mm-hmm. but the cost of living in the Bay is not something that I can like justify just for the sake of doing it, particularly when our work doesn't make us stay like in any particular place. Um, So we thought we were moving to Atlanta. We were like, okay, we're going to go to Atlanta. We'll get a house. Like there's lots of like folks of color. There's lots of kind of like similar branding, business building work happening there. Um, and we, that was kind of happening for a while, but luckily we were actually on such a, a 
crazy schedule of work travel then that we ended up being in like all these different places. So it was kind of like us testing out cities for a little bit. So we ended up in New Orleans. We were like, okay, Nick's Atlanta. We're going to stay in New Orleans because we love it. But like every time we went on this trip, we were just coming back home. And the more we came back home to Winston, the more I was like, yes. Is she from Winston too? Uh, no, absolutely okay. not. Okay. I'm New York. <laughs> okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. She's like, you brought me to Winston-Salem? Thanks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Winston's pretty. It's so pretty. I think it's really pretty. I think it's really pretty. I think, honestly, I, like, North Carolina has excellent schools. North Carolina has, like... Yeah, I'm biased myself, okay? I get it. I get it. <laughs> I'm a 919, too. I think the thing that convinced us, um, and you and I talked a little bit about this when we met on the panel, but the thing that really convinced us to stay was when we were like, okay, we really do want to create this like hobby farm track slash retreat center. Um, and once we started developing that idea for that, it was like, okay, well, let's just figure out like, what do our connections look like? And what does like life look like for us living here? Like who would we actually get involved in this? And it was like, well, we're here. Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by schools. So there's always like partnership in that we're surrounded by folks who are trying to build businesses because especially now in Winston, like there are more folks trying to understand like what startup life is like and like what just like entrepreneurship looks like. That's kind of different from I'm a person that's that owns a brick and mortar building. Right. Cause right. that's kind of what entrepreneurship has looked like before. Totally. And let me tell you from someone who pays a lot of rent at one, it's not all that it's cracked up to be. (laughs) Wait, so pause just before you go anymore, because I want to ask you about this. I want to tell our listeners too. So we met on the panel of the Good Fest um, and we were on there with Jessica, who I've had on the show as well. um, And she asked us such great questions. And afterwards, I just was like, you just, the way you spoke and the way you you carried that room and you, you were so poignant and you made such great points, but you didn't, you made everyone feel, cause you were in a room of, of white women and you made, instead of making people feel like, you know, like bad about it or whatever, whatever we do to ourselves, the way we make our own selves feel, you were just, you carried it in such a graceful way. I just, I just want to tell you that it was, I just was watching you and on. I was like this woman, I mean, she, there's something very exciting about you and special about you and you draw people in. And that is, I mean, I I think that that, that's a gift. And I think that I just wanted to share that with our listeners first. Um, and, and I do, I really do appreciate that a lot. Um, because you know, there are so many topics that people feel are like, I don't, I don't know if taboo is the right word or whatever, but if you can have intelligent conversations with people that are like, Hey, let me tell you where I'm coming from and what this looks like, then you can have the freaking conversations and that is where change happens. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that. I think, um, I think that's a long time coming for me, you know, (laughs) that's Mm -hmm, a long time mm -hmm. being like, it's okay for you to have whatever conversation you want to (laughs) have when, when you're in the room. But I also think it's because I've, I've just done a lot of like work on myself, you know, like a mm-hmm. lot the person that you see before me today is probably not the same person you would have like recognized if we had been like in grad school together. It's definitely not the same person I was when I was in Oakland. How do you think, what do you think's changed that? Like, because the people that are listening to us, so one of the reasons why I started this podcast is it's about 
people, I've had men on here or I've had one man (laughs) and now, I mean, it's mostly women, let's be real, but it's, you know, about like women taking risks and being, and really having ownership in that. Um, and it might look different than what everyone else is doing or what somebody's telling you to doing or what society's telling you is right and wrong or this and that. So what do you feel like, like, can you pinpoint point a moment or an experience that was like a catalyst for you to be doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I think it was actually a lot of moments though. You know, I, so I am, I, I think my first kind of, uh, skill set was writing and, um, there's a reason that I'm telling you this backstory. Like I was a writer first. And as I continued to grow that skill set, I think I became like a really excellent editor. And for whatever reason, that means that like I'm constantly aware of myself, like in this situation, but I'm also aware how I want people to feel in this situation. What is this going to like do for my overall life? Like, like how is this contributing to, there's this post that I constantly share, but it's like, um, thinking about like creating the life that you want to make. And, um, I think that there have just been like real sound moments because the moment you asked me that question, I started to like visualize moments when I had to make a very, very hard decision and a decision that I thought would like not necessarily ruin me, but, um, one of my favorite authors has this quote, um, Alice Walker has a quote where she's talking about, like herself past divorce, but she says she found herself as a woman unmoored, like basically just kind of removed from whatever she felt would hold her together. And I just been a lot of moments where that was like the decision that I had to make. And for kind of, I don't know, there is something in me that's like, that's the thing I'm going to go for each time. Yeah. I don't know if it's because I've been so terrified of like, when I recognize that something is not working for me or it's like, once I'm honest with myself, right. About like, this is affecting you negatively. (laughs) This is Mm -hmm. not making you happy. There's like something in me that just will not allow me to stay in that thing anymore. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. I love, I love what you're saying. Can you, okay. So for, because I feel like what you're speaking to as well is not just like, let's say like a relationship, but I mean, that can be, I, I have a lot of people in my class that are like recovering alcoholics or, you know, addictions. It's like, how do you, are there, and this might be getting too technical, but I'm always looking like, what's tangible? Like how, how do you have tools that you use that you use that are like, okay, so here are the steps I'm going to use to like get out of this and move into the next thing. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and you're not interrupting at all because that's what I was like about to get into. Like I can remember specific moments of like, okay, I was in grad school and I had this therapist and I don't know what was happening in that relationship. I just think like not every therapist is for everyone. And I had to make a real decision of like, are you going to stay here or are you going to really own that? Like, this is not working for your life and like do some other kind of work to figure out. Yeah. And so I had to leave that therapist, but because I knew that I needed some kind of work, I then had to figure out like, okay, I need to like, look at some actual text to figure out like, what am I feeling? What is happening to me emotionally? And that kind of sent me into, once I got into Oakland, like a real, um, just obsession with like somatic work. And I an excellent therapist. Her name is Elizabeth McGrath. I tell everyone about her. So I'm like giving a real shout out right now yeah. <laughs> uh, to her. Um, Elizabeth is 
deeply rooted in somatics works and thinking about not just like the logic of what we think is wrong with us, but like where that pain and where that trauma and all of that is located in our bodies and how we kind of like how we let that affect us over time. Are you looking for a job? Because the works is looking to hire you. <laughs> you're speak. You're speaking my love language, girl. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. At the, sorry, this is an aside. But I think the thing that connected uh, me to you on the panel was when you were talking about um, just being able to like do that kind of body work and, and like having yeah. sweating be like <laughs> your non-negotiable. And I was like, yeah. that's a person that understands their body. <laughs> like that yeah, totally knows what happens. Right. to them. Right. And so, so that kind of like somatic awareness and that kind of like, I can identify, sometimes I may not be able to say like, Oh, this relationship is harming me, but I can identify when I'm around this person, my stomach is really tight when I'm around this mm. or when I like engage with this person, I feel sad for days afterwards, or like my shoulders are hunched or I feel small, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that I've had to make decisions like that around like the ex that I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was such a profound relationship that I had tied all of my identity and all of my striving towards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to be like, this is not for you. And you know this because none of your world looks like how you imagined your world would look like before you got in this relationship. And so I had to like leave that even like <laughs> being like, well, I'm only in Oakland because of this. I, the only friends I have are literally like your friends, like my entire kind of economic, uh, understanding of myself has been tied to this relationship, but it was the best decision I've ever made for myself. I want nothing but the best for that person. So it's not about them. It's like, Oh, totally. it's not working. And moving back home and God, Sarah, this would like fill up your podcast, but like yeah. home, <laughs> home is such a source of just like drama and, mm-hmm. and has been previously. Let me not say, cause now it's not, it's what I'm making of it for myself. But when I was younger and I felt like I had no control over myself when there were adults that were in charge of me and like educational institutions that were in charge of me and my church that was in charge of me. It was such a place of powerlessness for me, like emotionally, physically, like mentally, it was all just, I have no power over this. And the only power that I do exert folks kind of deny that because for like whatever reason it's wrong, like it's wrong that I'm queer. It's wrong that I'm not like looking to, (laughs) I don't know, go into like the same line of work as everyone else that I don't like think and say the same things as other folks. So being able to come back to this place and deal, right. It hasn't been easy. Like really deal with my, I'm sure it like brings up like stuff. Yes. Oh my God. Especially once. So when we first moved here, Holly and I lived um, with my mom for a few months because we were on the road and it was like, okay, that was, that was a moment where it was like, I'm home, but I'm never really home. When we moved into our apartment and for the first few months, it was literally like just me and my feelings because Holly's Mm -hmm. always on the road. Um, it was like, wow, you feel so much shame around coming back. Like you are still operating in like, you don't go out in public (laughs) because you don't want to see people who knew you when you were young. And like really, and I mean, anyone that follows me on Instagram always sees me working through my shit. So right, yeah, it's like, it. 
I've just been very real about being like, oh, I, I absolutely believe in my own like power and that I deserve to be here and that I deserve to be happy and do the things that I want to. And so I really have to work to like be in that, you know, like, like, like not just believe it, but like actually act in it. Well, you have to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's what separates people and, 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 and not in, and not in an ugly way. I don't want to say that in a mean way, but in a real way, like people, you know, I was, I was talking about this in my class. It's like, we can, you know, we manifest things. And I was using an example of a friend I have, and she wants to find love so bad, but she's so scared of rejection. She's constantly manifesting rejection and like putting all her energy towards that. And I'm like, you need to change the the conversation in your head and the story in your head. She's like, it's too hard. And, da, da, da. and I'm like, yeah, no shit. Life's fucking hard. You know, like get, get with the program. Like this is what we're doing. But if this is what you want your life to look like, you have to do, use the tools, take the steps, make it happen. And yes, it's scary. And yes, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. But I mean, in the long run, it's personal freedom, you know, yeah, it's personal um, freedom. I, I also do think that some of us are like wired to be a bit more like some of us are more like, I don't take any shit and I don't care about it. Like when I look mm-hmm. at you and I look at uh, Melissa, who's like both boss and friend now, I'm like, okay, there are certain people who are just like, this is how I am in the world. And so what? Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true too. <laughs> I'm going to speak a little bit more for myself. Yeah. I think too, like experience, like what you were saying, like after you've been through, like you've been through a lot. I know Melissa personally and I love her as well. She's been through a lot. Like I've been through a lot personally and, and you know, not to, always represents this, but like, I've, you know, I've been divorced. I lost my child and I'm, I'm almost like, okay, what do you have? What are you going to do? That's going to hurt me. Like, look, I've been, I've survived that. I've got this. And, and I, and I think about that a lot because I talk about, you know, training new teachers and, and working with my, my current staff who are all wonderful, but like, we always say to each other, a few of my girls and I'm like, how do you teach people heart work? And it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's experience. It's like life teaches you heart work and you either like respond to it or you, you store it in your body and then you cause trauma and disease and you know, all the things that happen or you either, or you like channel it like you've done. And I think I've done, and you know, you channel it and you create something freaking phenomenal with it. I'm listening to you talk right now. And in my head, I'm going, this is going to be the best podcast. Like, because you're real and this is what people want. It's like, we all want to be seen, heard, connected, and loved. And when people let their guard down and they're real and they're open in that space, there's, there's the, the rhythm that we create in the universe. I just feel like is it shakes things up in a good way. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like literally I was thinking, that is experience when you're asking, how do we teach people to do the heart work? But I think that there's something, um, and again, this isn't separating folks in a way like to shame them. It's that what I can recognize is that there's a lot that's happening with like discussions of like boundaries. And, and now because we're in a moment where like self-care and therapy and healing work is like very big Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it has been a thing for years and years and years. It's just that, like, it wasn't kind of, like, <laughs> um, like huge in mass media. But I yeah. think the way that we're doing it is also kind of limiting just how much we allow ourselves to be. Because I think the kind of experiences and the kind of, like, trauma or pain that you're talking about, like me or you or Melissa, like, growing through is also something that, like, 
you know, we didn't like, you couldn't choose. You couldn't opt right, out. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Check, check A, B or C. Like I would have been like, D, get me out of here. Is that the way that one, like general kind of like life and success and happiness is portrayed, right? And that it's like, it's all gonna be good. Like we all, like one day, I don't know, like even if we just look at kind of like how Instagram shows us our lives or or just like, I don't know, folks not really understanding like what it would take to literally be Beyonce on any given day, that kind of right. thing, right? I think when we see what is like the good and what has manifested as that kind of work, we then kind of, some of us do ourselves a disservice because it's like, oh, well, this was challenging for me. So it must mean that I'm not supposed to do it. Or like, this was, this made me sad. So like, I need to like set a boundary and like, I'm not built for this. And it's like, no, right. you absolutely are built for this. It's hard for everybody. You can do it if you just believe in yourself and try right. and saying, like, believe in yourself sounds so cheesy when I say it like that. <laughs> well, it's like se- the word, like self-care makes me want to hide under the table and wrap myself up in like bubble wrap and beat the shit out of myself. I hate it. I hate it. I think it takes, I don't want to say like demoralizes, that's go- that's a little dramatic, <laughs> but it takes like what, what you were saying about um, the capital W for wellness. Like, I feel like it's such like, it's splashed all over the fitness magazines. And I'm like, you know, the, 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 the phrase like be present. It's like, you know, I, I say this in my class a lot. I'm like being present is so trendy, but when you are fully dropped in your body, like the most present I've ever been is truly when I was holding grace, when she was leaving this earth, like I was fully in my body and no, would I have chosen that? Absolutely not. But was that a moment I will always, always remember like, and, and, and being fully there. And, and that is like, those are the moments that like drop us into who we are, I believe. And like, what you're saying it's just like I think what you're saying is like it just because it's hard doesn't mean that it wasn't worth it or it's not for you yes and like do we actually know how difficult it is to be present right like when we have computers and phones and like music and and they're like foods and mind-altering substances and, and all of the things that kind of change us or or make things easier in some way for us like it is very difficult to be present. It's very difficult to practice. Like I know we're using terms like self-care or wellness or, but just like the idea, if we take the terms away and like say it is very difficult to take full responsibility for yourself in all ways from now until forever. That is a hard thing. Yeah. Like that just gave me chills and made me close my eyes (laughs) because it's, I mean, it's so, it is hard. <laughs> it's really hard. You know, it's hard to not go, well, I'm, you know, it's like, are we, are we like living and the word, another word intention, but like, are we living our life as a, a series of reactions? Like, or like everything that happens or is it ping ponging, ping ponging, ping ponging, or are we like living, I guess, in our truth and in that intention? And you're right. Like, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. So what do you do then? What do you, what, what do you do? Because you seem very, um, well, you're very open to it. You're clear to it. I'm sure you have great days and not great days, but what are the, some practices that maybe you do, I don't know, daily that really help keep you where you want to be? Yeah. Um, okay. I will give, and I don't know if this is actually a disclaimer, but I just like to explain it to people, um, ahead of time before I start talking about my schedule. Okay. That, um, I, I know that I am a person who has 
both experienced a lot of suffering and also willingly puts myself in situations that have <laughs> caused a lot of suffering, right? Like I yeah. am a person that spent eight years in a PhD program. Like, right, right, right. <laughs> so that said, there are, I'm not afraid of the suffering, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that's actually like the, the biggest thing that helps me get through days. Do you thrive in it, you think? Um, I think, (laughs) I think I used to thrive in suffering. Um, I think at this point I'm just a person that's like committed to thriving period. Right. And so some days I'm going to move slower. Some days I'm going to like do less, but I, I practice compassion with myself. That's a real thing. And I'm constantly checking in with like how I feel about myself. So like when I wake up in the morning, literally, well, the first thing I do is like get attacked by the dogs. But then like when I'm up and not, not hating that, I'm like, I take in a glass of water because I'm just like, okay, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm like hydrated at this point. I need to know, I need to feel the water literally enter me. And I need to assess like, what kind of day is it going to be given how I woke up? Like, did I sleep well? Am I hungry? <laughs> do I walking? Do I have an attitude that I need to check before I start giving it to other people? Um, that kind of thing. But in terms of just like practices, like when I know I'm like down, 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 and I wish I was better about this and remembering it sooner. But the thing that I'm, when I'm like, wow, I've given entirely too much of myself to a thing. I have to go sit in a bath and I'm going to be in there for like two hours. Like don't even. (laughs) Don't check on me. I'm fine. (laughs) Literally don't check on me because there are moments when I literally need not to be checked on. So there's like sometimes when Holly will come in and she's like, because both of us work from home when we are in, in the city, uh, Mm -hmm. we're like constantly like pinging questions or talking about things. And like, sometimes she can just come in the room and she's like, okay, I'll be back. And I don't know if it's also being raised as an only child or like being like a scholar of literature, there's a kind of solitude that I really, really need. And I, it's not getting any easier. Like the more dogs we get, the fact that I decided to get married, the fact that we right. like, <laughs> you're like, why is everyone here? You're like, Oh wait, I chose them. I do that with my kids. I'm like, I prayed for you so hard. And God was like, okay, here you go. If you really must. <laughs> and I can be honest, that's literally like Holly is two years older than me. And we've been, we, so, you know, we're talking about like, we're in the buying a house we're talking about what kids look like because of course when we get married the first thing all the family starts talking about is like oh are there gonna be kids and it's like right right oh wow (laughs) right you're like hold on (laughs) yes and to be honest I feel like I spent at least the last seven years kind of just being in limbo around my life because I was in a very long relationship that wasn't like doing the life things I wanted to do and now I'm doing those things and I'm like okay before you add one more person that you're responsible for, that's going to like do away with like the silence, you need to really figure out like, like what, how is this going to work for you? You need to have some mm-hmm. more tangible things in place. So I've got the baths, I've got the water, like I'm constantly checking <laughs> out my body now, yeah. which hasn't always been that way. Now I really do need to sweat at least like I, it, at some points it's like every day or else I'm just terrible in my head. That's yes. not right, but it has to be at least like five days a week. Now, I'm not doing like 45-minute HIIT workouts every day, but I right. do have to 
feel my body move. Absolutely. I mean, there's something so amazing. I mean, I, I think of it and it's like, you know, one of the, I, 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 like one of the last things we can't do online is sweat. You can order your groceries, you can meet your, your wife, your husband, you can buy your clothes, you can, you know, see what your friends are doing, but like to have a physical practice, like it's just, there's something really powerful about getting that shit out of your body. Yeah. Wow. And I never thought about it like that, but I guess that is the thing when I'm doing that, I am actually like, okay, I'm too involved in other people's ideas, other people's needs, other people's desires, because that is the work that I've chosen to do. And that time of me sweating is like, Hey, I just want you to know that you're here. You're a real person. (laughs) This is for you. Yeah. Totally, totally, totally. So I want to go back to what I, about the center that you were speaking about that you and Holly, did you guys, you started that in Winston? We are starting that in Winston. It is not okay. started. It's, um, Celia and Squeak is, and, and honestly, I mean, I'm talking about it on the podcast now, so it, it will probably still be a few more series of pop-ups before it's actually like a real space space. Very cool. And, and part of that was actually some self-care on our parts because we are constantly doing and building things for other people. And the moment we came to Winston, we were like, yes, let's buy this farm. It's 11 acres. Let's do this thing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. let's go full force. And then I was like, but I actually want to go to school. And also, maybe we could just have something for ourselves for a right. month before we build one more thing for someone else. Right. Um, yeah. So that was actually, that was the first real, I think because Holly and I both very driven and both like incredibly into our work and our like, because for us, the work is just like, this is what I'm passionate about. This is me and my purpose. Mm -hmm. This was such an important personal decision for us to make for our marriage and not like, here's all the decisions we make for the business. Right. Um, Yeah. So I think in the next year, Celia and Squeak will have more pop-ups. We'll keep doing more events and, you know, getting data and seeing what folks really want to have happen at this retreat space. But I I also think they will see like the real space for another year. Very cool. Um, all right. Will you tell us a little bit about how this whole 30 thing came about? Cause I mean, that's first of all, congratulations. This is fairly new, correct? Yes. It's, I think it's been about a month now. I saw the, um, I got, I must've seen something on whole 30 and I was like, I know her. Um, so that's awesome. You know what happened? Um, because I had already kind of like jumped into the work and I'll tell you how that started, but I had already jumped into the work and I forgot that Melissa said she was going to tell everyone and she did tell everybody. And then the next day I woke up with 800 new followers and I was like, what happened? <laughs> and I realized like, oh, okay. Melissa has told everybody. That happened to me one time. I worked out Busy Phillips and she posted about it. And I got in my car from the workout and I had like 6,000 new followers. Granted, they all unfollowed me after they followed me for like 20 minutes. But I was like, oh my God, I'm so famous. Um, anyway, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was, I was like, oh, okay, this is a thing. But I think that follow thing, because I also had like 300 DMs and I was like, oh, okay, y'all really want this work. Like you're very into it. Um, it so that at the same um, festival that I met you at, I met um, Melissa from The New Primal. And we had a little conversation about just like connecting. Um, Y'all know I love to cook and love foods and love new products and things like that. So I started working with the new primal. I was in the middle of a new primal takeover when the community manager, Jacob there had actually told Melissa that she needed to look at me for 
um, the role that they had posted, the diversity and inclusion role. And um, Melissa and I DM'd a little bit. I sent her an email uh, maybe like a couple days later because I think I, I was also in India when all of this was happening. Of course. Of course you were in a bath. You were in a bath in India and you were getting hired by Whole30. <laughs> it was a really strange moment because I was having a very surreal experience in India also. And, and then it just, like, I had some very late night, um, interviews with, um, Shanna and Melissa and like a week after that, we had another call. It, the whole process took about like two weeks, if that long, I think, um, once I was in, we also just like jumped into working. So I've been like really getting to know the coaches, um, really hearing out like what their needs are. Um, I was at the offsite, our first like full team offsite with me in Atlanta. Um, a couple weeks ago, we have our coaching summit. Oh my God. in like two weeks. (laughs) Um, so I'll be in Salt Lake city. It's been, it's been really excellent. And I think useful for me, um, because my way of kind of looking at, what I want for like a future is that one, I, I think it's going to require all of us, um, like all kinds of people, like race, class, education, yeah. uh, all of it. I think we're going to need a yes. lot of folks who think, uh, very differently from one another. And because the coaches are all so different in some ways, and because even the team, our core team, um, so many of us are so different, like literally one of the first conversations um, we had in our diversity training was like, I really want us to understand that, like the fact that you all share whiteness, right? Like even that is not a real kind of sameness for us to even think about because that's like, you're still all so different. And so we've really been building this program, um, with that core understanding of like, we don't want to like negate difference. We don't want to say like, I don't see you differently able body person. I don't see you um, like different race or different religion or whatever. It's like, I do see you. And I actually do deeply understand that you're different from me. And that difference does not make, does not create any kind of inequity between us. Mm-hmm. And so now we're trying to figure out, okay, well, what does it look like to build community in that way moving forward now? Oh my gosh. I love that. So, okay, wait, pause. Okay. I feel like we need like two more hours. Okay. Hold on. This is so exciting. So is that what you're, you're building that programming for lack of a better word for them? Like the, that is so interesting. Yeah. And that makes me like whole 30, even though I love carbs. <laughs> I love whole 30 and I also love carbs. <laughs> there are lots of us at whole 30 who love carbs. We just also really, really care about people finding food freedom. And yes. and now really care about folks understanding that like whole 30 is a 30 day program. It is not an everyday way of eating. Um, but folks do it multiple times a year. You know, anyways, I don't have to go into that. But- yeah, my husband does it in January and he has mass success and feels like a million bucks. So it works. Yeah. Yes, we're we're actually about to have a September Whole30, and I'm just like recruiting all friends. I'm like, hey, folks, come on, it's fall. We all want to reset. I'll send you a text about it. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, okay, so when I uh, we had about two months of discovery, um, where we're all like figuring out what are the key benchmarks and like real tangible things that we want to see, but my 
like my mission, my goal for myself, regardless of what anyone else wanted when I came in was to say, is there something we can build with actual like objective kind of KPIs and like real tangible benchmarks that we can be able to hit um, that will create a program that we could potentially replicate if all of us for whatever reason disappeared Um, (laughs) and to say like, is there something that we can build here together that says this is how we're building community and we're moving forward if I was not here, right? If we right. didn't have the role of diversity, equity, inclusion. So for us to do that, we have to figure out, well, what does diversity, equity, and inclusion mean at Whole30? But then also, like, what do we want that to look like? What do we want it to feel like culturally? Um, literally, we started with just like ground rules around like how we're communicating around this, like what we're understanding. They're, they're very, very tiny logistical things that all build into this kind of larger program that we're trying to develop in the background. But it's so smart. I mean, it's like it, it does boil down to everything. I was talking with a group today about um, help, helping them do some building for a new program and some marketing. And they were like, okay, so, you know, where do we start? I was like, it starts at the front door. I was like, it starts like the second, like if you're talking about a brick and mortar, I mean, you know, it starts from your branding, but it starts like the person walks in, like what, how are they greeted? You know, like it, it is down to languaging and and all those things. And I'm, I'm, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And I think that's been something that we've um, had to talk about and not even had to like a that we've really chosen to talk about because uh, it's also something that Melissa admitted from the very beginning of like, hey, I built this incredible thing and I thought just by like reaching more and more people and talking about it all the time that everyone would feel welcome and everyone would know that I wanted everyone to be able to participate. Mm. And in the end, that's not what happened. And that is actually a fine thing to admit. And so now we're like, okay, how do we take this really incredible thing this wonderful tool for changing your life and changing your relationship to food and changing how you like understand how your body reacts to literally the things you put inside of it. And then how do we make this matter and mean something to people who are not like white women between the ages of 20 and 45? I mean, you're, you're literally speaking my language right now. So I might be giving you a little side text after I leave here. I mean, but that's what you're saying is, and I hate that we have to, we're going to have to get off soon. So I'm going to have to wrap this up in like a messy bow in just a second. However, what you're saying is something that is, I mean, this is, that's huge. Like that is so many businesses I would say is like their biggest, you know, um, where they're working the most is like, how, how are we not reaching these people? How are we not like what you said, like the verbiage, the, the wording, like what, where can we, where, like, where can we work on this and where can we create more diversity? How can we reach certain people demographically? And, and I am, I'm so interested in hearing about all that. Yeah. Cause I think the reason I talk about culture so much, like, especially internal culture is like, well, we can reach out to like black folks and Latinx folks and like queer folks or just like folks who are not college educated. We can reach out to all these different folks all day. But if when they get to like whole 30, mm-hmm. all they see is that like if it's all just like yep. one kind of person or one way of being, then they're not going to stay either way. You know, it's like absolutely that door. And and regardless of the fact that you sent out flyers for them, they don't see themselves reflected or feel that there has been space created to honor them, they are not going to stay. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. All the yes into everything you just said. So what, what excites me now is to watch this journey that you are going to be going on and to watch that unfold, because I feel like that's really what you're doing is so unique and special. Like you don't see that in many places. I I don't feel like, and I say this, I don't want to say this the wrong way because I do really love their soap, but some, like sometimes I feel like I've seen ads for certain things. I won't even say it is. And it just feels really forced. Do you know what I mean? It's like, make sure that, you know, the, the Hispanic woman's in there and then, you know, the, this woman's in here and then this woman's in here and whatever. And I'm like, what is, what, what's the message? Like what's behind it? I guess it's kind of like, okay, there's the picture. Now, if I open the door, what's behind it? And I feel like that's what you're trying. I feel as though that's what you're speaking to that you're creating. It's not just like a flyer. It's an actual experience. Yeah. I love that you're saying what's behind it because I, I actually had a similar conversation with Jessica um, recently that was like, I want that picture. I absolutely do want the representation. I want us to feel seen, et cetera. But like, if all of those women leave and like one of them goes home and has no food and one of them goes home and like makes significantly less money than the other person or like one of them like really had to beg to even get themselves in that space, that kind of thing. Right. Um, then like the picture doesn't do us any good. So when we're thinking about inclusion and like equity, it's really thinking about, well, what voices are we privileging? Like what kind of power are we willing to kind of divvy up or like, how are we allowing people to empower themselves and just show up and be literally as they desire to be and not mm-hmm. the thing that we're telling them they have to be in order to be accepted in that space? Yes, that's huge. So what is something as we start to close out that the listeners can incorporate into their daily lives to create space for like maybe underrepresented communities? Is there any? I don't, I'm not trying to like, I'm like, give us a nugget of wisdom. (laughs) Um, you know, is there something that you see or that you've experienced or that you share with your clients that you're like this one thing, even though there's a million things, I'm sure that would create a whole, is there one, like one, a place to start, I guess I should say. I I think this is, um, is this another podcast? (laughs) It's the thing I used to tell my students that I still say in like, um, where we're creating brave spaces of like respect yourself. And I know that that sounds like a very self-centered kind of thing, but I think it's when I say respect yourself, I mean like literally respect all that comes with you, right? Like honor yourself, know um, that you have power and know that you have kind of like uh, control over your own body and that the power that you exert on the world is like a real thing. And what I also mean by that is then like, if that is real for you, understand that that is real for other people so that you extend that respect to them as well. And I think it did a lot more like focusing on ourselves, <laughs> like literally yeah. who we are as people, we would be able to like also lend that to other folks. We would be able to see them in the same way that we do ourselves, but we're so busy like hiding behind things right or or like kind of putting on masks of ourselves yes. and not like really just respecting how we come into the room because if we stopped policing ourselves we might have like less reason to police others i mean i want to give you a hug and um i want to walk in on bath time i'm just kidding <laughs> um the, everything you just said there i I've never said it so eloquently, but I, I speak to this in the room too. You know, I, I always say it starts with us. And if we, if we walk out of there and we feel 
love for ourselves and compassion for ourselves, we can go out and do this in our communities. And it, and it does start at a community level. Like I'm not saying don't save the world, but what about the street that you live on or the street, two streets down that you might not even want to drive down? Like what's happening like in the foster care system in your own community? What's, you know, and, and, and it is, there is a level of like, you, you have to like love and trust yourself and have the confidence to maybe step outside of what the quote unquote norm is or what you were taught to do or what your parents maybe did or what your school friends did and to, to do what's, 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 I don't know if the word is right, but to do, to do unto others in a good way, to be respectful and to be open and to see the world as a whole. Yeah. I mean, yes. And I won't go on for hours about this. I just think that like, yes, there are some folks who are inherently like out to do harm to others. Sure. And, and this has, this is not negating that. I also believe that there are a lot of folks who are doing harm to others, um, sort of haphazardly and absent-mindedly because they're not taking excellent care of themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. because they're not really deeply loving and caring for and healing and owning and respecting themselves. Yes. Yes. I love, I love that. Yes. Thank you. I mean, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy. You are really, you're, you're really, really special. And I, and I hope that you take that a hundred percent to your heart. Like this has been such a joy to connect with you and talk with you. And I'm just, I'm so grateful that you came into my life. Thank you truly for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you so much, Sarah. Holy We love you. And I am going to climb in that bathtub with you. And I want to talk more. (laughs) You were so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you guys for listening. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends, subscribe with us, give us some stars, and we will talk to you next week.